Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 124 of the Box Hard Podcast. There's a lot to go over this week in terms of the reviewing, so we will be just breaking down the UK cards, not really getting into too much detail on the international cards. We will talk about it, but just we're not going to go overboard on on, on, on any of it. Um, I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I should have said a couple of seconds ago, and I'm joined as always by the infamous Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. It's also going to be a little bit of a different show this week. In part two, we will be speaking to two fighters that are both fighting each other in just a couple of days' time. So that one will be quite exciting. I'm looking forward to doing that. But both fighters... Um, their English isn't so good, so I'm not quite sure how good the interviews are going to end up being, but I will try to do my best to get through those, and um, hopefully it makes for something quite exciting. I think it may be the first time we've ever done that. I know that we've had two guys on before that were supposed to be fighting each other, but this fight's actually happening, and it's going to be a world title fight, of course, and I'm really looking forward to that. But anyway, with no further ado, let's get into part one. Um, I'm going to start... The review part of the show, I'm going to actually start in a place um, called the Fantasy Springs Casino. Quite a popular venue now in the US. This happened last Thursday, the 22nd of February. A um, couple fights to mention on this bill. The prospect, Hector Tanahara, he moved to 12-0. and 0. It was a KO in the very first round against Eduardo Rivera. Um, so, yeah. Good win there for Tanahara. Uh, Manny Robles Jr. moved to 15-0. That's the son of the trainer. Um, he got a TKO in round four against Isaias Gonzalez. Uh, also on this bill, the top of the bill here, Joseph Diaz, 25-0, took on former world champion Victor Terrazes, who was 38-4 with two draws going in. Terrazes was down twice in the first round, and he was counted out in the third round from a body shot. So a KO in round three there for Joseph Diaz. Once again, he seems to keep, 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 keep impressing, and I really want to see him stay stepped up against some of the bigger names. I'm not saying that this guy wasn't a huge step up because it really was, but you know, I want to see him in there with some of the other great featherweights in the world. But anyway, he defended successfully his NABF featherweight title and also his WBO NABO featherweight title. So all the very best to Joseph Diaz now 26 and 0. Moving over to Germany now. This one was the pay-per-view card, the one that was getting slated left, right, and center, and perhaps rightly so. Um, a couple fights to mention on the bill, because I remember the, the undercard wasn't announced at all until, like, literally one or two days before the fight. I think I think we did the show last week, and I don't think that they, they were confirmed at the time, so... Um, it was quite surprising to see some of the names on this one, but I'm going to start here with Leon Bauer. He moved to 13 and oh, he's a bit of a prospect. Um, he's got one draw. It was a unanimous decision against Marco Miano. Um, 
bit of a lesser-known guy there. Uh, Dmitry Chudinov, former opponent of Chris Eubank Jr., he picked up um, another win here. It was a unanimous decision over Sergei Kamitsky, the Brit basher, as he's known over here. Um, a guy that, of course, has fought the likes of uh, Frank Buglioni. I remember he knocked Frank Buglioni out. I remember being there for that fight. So quite a good win there for Dmitry Chudinov. He's now 21-2 and two with two draws. It was only an eight-rounder, that one. Um, Filip Hergovic, 3-0 with three knockouts, going in against our own big sexy Sean Turner 12 and 1 um, to be honest I mean Sean Turner was overmatched on paper and remember you know fights aren't won on paper at all and he came to give it a right go but to my understanding, I think he pretty much lost every round, especially on the cards. It was an eight-round unanimous decision for Hergovic. I'm sure he would have appreciated going the rounds there, but, you know, Sean Turner, obviously, a very game, game and live opponent. And the top of the bill here, Callum Smith, 23-0, and took on um, Nicky Holzkun, who we understand had some kind of MMA background. I didn't know too much about him going into the fight. And to be honest, after the fight, I didn't know too much about him, and I still don't know too much about him now. But he had his O taken here by Callum Smith. Callum Smith's a guy that seems to fight really, really good against the the bigger name opponents and fights quite poor against some of the uh, the lesser known guys. And to be honest, to my understanding, he fought quite poor here. I didn't see pretty much any of the fight. I saw about a round at max. Um, I'm hoping that you can help me out, Eyes. Did you manage to catch any of Callum Smith's fight at all? Unfortunately, I didn't. No, that's fine. That's fine. Like I say, I was actually at the um, at the York Hall card, so um, it clashed unfortunately. But it was what it was. Callum Smith, you know, he's twenty four and oh, he's through to the final. Hopefully, it's going to be against George Groves. It was a unanimous decision over twelve rounds. And if anything, I suppose in boxing, you know, in the boxing world, Nicky Holzkun's stocks go up because he actually went the distance against Callum Smith here. So I'm not quite sure um, to, you know, to applaud Callum Smith or to, you know, to be disappointed because we don't really know how good this guy is. But Callum Smith ultimately won pretty easily over 12 rounds. I'm happy that it's going to be an all-British final. Hopefully Groves can be fit for the June, uh, the early June date. Moving over now to the Mountbatten Centre in Portsmouth, Hampshire, United Kingdom. Kingdom. One fight to mention on this bill, Harlem Eubank. The Eubanks are um, they're fighting all over the place at the moment. Anyway, Harlem Eubank proceeded to 4-0 and now. Um, it was a points win over four rounds against Ivan Godor. Uh, that was just the one fight to mention over there. Moving over now to the York Hall card, the fight that I was at on Saturday night. I'm going to start with Umar Sadiq. Now, Umar Sadiq was supposed to be taking on um, William Warburton, the you know the, the very experienced and quite popular journeyman, to be honest. But there was a late opponent change for whatever reason and he ended up taking on Manchester's Yalton Neves who's two and nine now Yalton Neves is actually quite a decent fighter I mean he's he's I don't want to say he's a journeyman but he's been matched quite tough and he's actually a lot better than what his record would suggest um in that fight, you know, I think Umar Sadiq was a little bit eager. He doesn't seem to faint much. He doesn't really seem to throw much, to be honest. There's not much variety going on. It seems to be a lot of straight shots for me. Um, you know, he, he was kind of stuck in first gear a little bit in that fight. He did drop Neves in the first round, though. Um, 
at the very end of, of the first round. Um, you know, and like I say, watching Neves up close, he's he's not a bad fighter at all. He seemed to tire pretty quickly though. Um, you know, but he's quite a, he's quite a sneaky boxer, Neves, and you know, he, he comes to give it a go. He's if he is gonna be a, a journeyman, he's gonna be a tricky one. He's also a southpaw. But um yeah, I mean he was drafted in at short notice in place of William Warburton. You can't really ask for more. It ended up being a forty to thirty-five um points decision for Sadiq. So I think that was quite fair. Again, he's a guy that I think is gonna get better and better every time we see him. Um talking about now Harvey Horn's fight, Harvey Horn took on Patrick Bartos. Bartos is a man that um I don't want to get the measuring stick out too much here, but he got stopped in the first round against Haroon Khan. He got stopped in two against Jamie Conlon. He was stopped in one by um, flyweight Louis Norman, and he was also um, on the receiving end of a decision against uh, against Prince Patel. He lost over four rounds, and he went four rounds here with Harvey Horn. Harvey Horn won every round but one. There was one round that was shared, so 40 to 37 in terms of um, you know who who won there? It was Harvey Horn's fight that one. Um, he's now two and zero, and Umar Sadiq also two and zero. I should have said. Um, also on this bill, Hamza Shiraz, a man that really impressed me in his debut. He fought here in his second pro contest. What surprised me is he came out with a really big entourage. He walked out to the ring with loads and loads of people behind him, all with the matching shirts on, as you expect. Um, he definitely doesn't fight like a man that's only had one pro fight. Even um, the fact that I, w- I was actually speaking to a photographer ringside that he'd hired just for this event. I mean, that's that's big things there. It's only his second pro fight. Um, I was talking to his photographer who actually told me that he reckons that Hamza Shiraz is going to be bigger than Amir Khan eventually. I did say that... You know, he's got a long, long way to go. I think it's a bit early for that. But boxing-wise, I like what I see from Shiraz. He doesn't rush his work. I like the timing. He's very good with his timing. He doesn't seem to waste many shots. He's very accurate. He uses his distance well as well. He's quite a, uh, you know, he's got a long frame to him. You know, it seemed like the journeyman that they drafted in, I'm, I'm probably being a bit disrespectful here to call him a journeyman, but the guy they got in, he seemed to have... I don't think his style was really right for Shiraz. I mean, Shiraz won. It was a 39 um, points to 38 fight. So it was it was very close on the score there from the referee. But the opponent was very durable. And um, the guy that he fought... I, I can't remember his name now. Let me just quickly grab it. His name was... Um, Christian Gomez, he was 6-30 and 30 going into the fight, and of those 30 losses, um, he'd only been stopped twice, so, you know, he was clearly quite a tough guy, and the guys that he was stopped by was Mark Heffron, um, obviously, I think he's something to do with Ricky Hatton, he's a good fighter, and also Felix Cash, who we know very well, so, good fight there for Hamza Shiraz, he's now 2-0, and uh, also on this bill, Boy Jones Jr., he took on a guy called Ronaldo Mora, who's 7-31, and 31 with one draw going in. Boy Jones, 14-1 and one with one draw. Um, you know, this guy had also took on Zelfa Barrett. He got stopped in four rounds by him. He got stopped in three rounds by Kid Galahad, and he went the distance with Tommy Coyle. But Boy Jones, um, I mean, I thought he'd probably stop him. He was finding it quite easy to land uppercuts as early as the first round, and as the fight went on, it was a bit of a boring one, to be honest. Boy Jones, I mean, he can box and he can fight, and it kind of was one of those fights where... He, he kind of got caught in the middle of fighting and boxing, and it ended up being quite boring, like I say. But he ended up winning a relatively one-sided battle on points. So he now um, boasts a record of 15-1 and one with one draw. 
Moving down the card, or up the card, I should say, once more, we're going to now talk about the fight between um, Nathan Gorman, 11-0, and Morgan Dassault, who was 4-1. We didn't know much about Dassault, obviously, he was a Frenchman, he was down in the first round, and... I like stuff that I see about Gorman. Um, he got clocked a couple of times in the fight. He got rocked, but, you know, the heavy knockdown came in that first round. His opponent was really slow. That's one thing I picked up straight away. It was like he was punching underwater a little bit. Um, the second round, the referee jumped in after Gorman was dishing out a bit of a beating, to be fair. And his opponent really had nothing at that point. But Gorman, when he ties you up, this is what I like about him. When he ties you up, he kind of throws your body one way and takes a, a quick step back and, and lands like a right uppercut something like that you know he throws you right into one of his punches it's quite clever I like that from Gorman some roughhouse tactics there so he's now 12-0 and they're talking about a potential fight between him and Dubois or at some point um, I think Frank Warren would rather wait um, about a year's time so I don't think we will see that fight in 2018 maybe 2019 but um, yeah I like that that's, that's, that's a good fight down the line a second round knockout there for Nathan Gorman moving down the card or up the card once again um, Archie Sharp took on a guy, and everybody knows me, I like Archie Sharp, I really do. He took on a guy called Ivan Marote, who was 18-8 and with one draw going in. Archie Sharp, 11-0, perfect record. The TKO came in round 7 for Archie Sharp. It was a good fight, though. I mean, the first round was, was quite lackluster, I've got to say. There wasn't too much atmosphere in that first round. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't much thrown in terms of punches. You know, there wasn't much landed at all. But the second round, Archie started taking over a bit. Not that he was at any point on the receiving end at all, but, you know, he fought really well in the second round. He looked really good when he let his hands go. Like I've said many times about Archie Sharp, he's got humongous potential. Um, his opponent kept moaning to the referee for absolutely nothing time and time again. Again, it was getting quite annoying, even for me watching. Uh, the fourth round, I'd, I'd probably say, was a 10-8 round. Archie was absolutely teeing off on his opponent, and once again showing us he's got a huge left hook to the body, Archie Sharp. He was letting that one go. Uh, the opponent also had a bloody nose in the fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. Archie usually boxes in both stances. He's, he's a bit of a switch hitter. Um, I think he's a natural southpaw as well, but he's converted to orthodox, which I find quite bizarre. But... Um, you know, usually switch hits and stuff like that, but when he was switching stances, he was only really throwing one punch in Southpaw, and then he'd go back to Orthodox. I did want to see him, you know, for a little bit longer in Southpaw to try and give, you know, give his opponent a little bit more to think about sort of thing, but I don't think he really needed to. Um, you know, he ultimately uh, won the fight, of course, and knocked down um, in, in the seventh round, and when his opponent reluctantly got up to his feet, the referee asked him to walk forward, and he didn't. And, and then he started going crazy, complaining, because the referee stopped it. Um, you know, it could have been a language barrier issue. It doesn't really matter. He got battered, to be honest. I even heard the ringside doctor say, wow, this kid's got some moves about Archie, because I was sat right next to the ringside doctor in the front row. I really do like Archie's style. All the very best to him. He's now 12-0. and 0. Um, Trying to go through this a little bit quicker now. What else was on this bill? Right, let's talk about the, the fight that was probably, well, I say probably, it was definitely the fight of the night at this at this you know on this bill um Zelfa Barrett 19 and 0 took on Ronnie Clark who had a record of 20 and 4 with two draws we know Ronnie Clark very well for his fight against Martin J Ward um it's funny cuz John Rawling in the commentary actually said cuz when I when I got home I I watched the fight back and he said in the commentary that Ronnie Clark surely wouldn't win this fight 
to Barry Jones, and Barry Jones said, you know, this guy's a very live opponent about Ronnie Clark. Well, boy, oh boy, oh boy. I mean, the way I saw this fight, obviously, Zelfa Barrett lost his O, first and foremost, and it was a 12th round majority decision in favour of Ronnie Clark. He's now the new IBF East and West Europe super featherweight champion. Barrett was down in the 6th round also. He did very well to get up, actually. But the fight itself, both men... They were thorough with their attacks throughout the early rounds and throughout the whole fight, to be honest. But in those early rounds, both men's backhands weren't really brought into play, you know, too early. I felt like the the backhands, the power shots were kind of in the, uh, maybe after about four rounds, something like that, at that kind of stage. Zelfa seemed like he couldn't really land his backhand quite a lot. I think Ronnie Clark would, would fall short with, with his one at times in those early rounds as well, and he'd hit the gloves of Zelfa Barrett. I mean, it seemed like a, a bit of an aggressive jab fest, if that makes any sense, in the first sort of two, three rounds. It was very active, though. It was a very good fight. Very quick pace as well about it. Um, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie certainly fought very well in this fight, and arguably he'd landed the better shots throughout those first three rounds, so I think he was kind of getting a bit of a lead early on. Um, he had a very, very vocal Scottish fan base. You know, I think they, they came out in droves when he took on Martin J. Ward. They were here in the York Hall as well. And Zelfa, like I say, when he went down in that sixth round, he got up off the canvas. He decided to fight fire with fire. And he was getting very reckless in his attacks, Zelfa Barrett. He was getting quite desperate. He kind of reminded me a little bit of a small version of Chris Eubank Jr. And I mean, this fight was a real step up for him against a solid fighter. A lot of people think that I was a bit harsh on Zelfa Barrett when I said that his record was very padded going into that fight. This was going to be his first recognisable name. And, you know, as the fight went on, Zelfa did come on strong as the rounds progressed. I felt I felt like maybe the sort of 7th, 8th, ninth those rounds, I think he came on strong. Um, you know, it was it was good to see after being dropped, obviously, for the first time in his career, but it was a proper gut check and... Um, I was thinking maybe the knockdown would play a part in the cards um, and also, more importantly, shake off some of these people that are, you know, overhyping Zelfa Barrett because he did a little bit look like a hype job here and I hate to say that, but in the ninth round itself, Zelfa really, really, really went to work. It was probably the best round of the fight for him, but he still kept getting caught by the, you know, the odd big shot here and there, but, you know... It worries me for the future. If he fights somebody that hits harder than Clark, I think Zelfa can get hit quite a lot. I think he's shown that there. Um, you know, he'd swing wildly from out of range and miss. I saw that a lot. And one thing I will say from Zelfa, what he showed me more than anything was a huge, huge, huge heart. He really has got a huge heart. The 11th round was, was, was when the atmosphere, I mean, the roof, the roof come off with the atmosphere. Um, it was insane. Zelfa Barrett's gum shield got punched out in that round. He kept saying, come on. He kept waving Ronnie Clark in. And, you know, there's always a barn burner, like I say, at York Hall. And this fight was the one. But this this round, I think I think it was the 12th round. I think it was the 12th round where uh, this round was, was really the round of the fight. I mean, Zelfa looked badly tired in the 12th. And Clark had a lot, a lot more in the tank, it seemed. It seemed like he was the more fresher guy at the 12th round. But 
I wasn't actually scoring it, but uh, I, I kind of felt it was quite closer than the scorecards had it in the end. I know there was a 10-8 round in there, but, you know, Zelfa didn't take a step backwards. And one thing, like I say, he's got balls of steel, but what a fight. I mean, what a warrior Zelfa is. He showed a ton of courage, but unfortunately, I mean, he, he loses here. He wanted to get to 20-0 and 0 before taking real big step-ups, I understand. And unfortunately, he lost at the you know the last kind of gallop, if you like, the last hurdle, I should say. Um, Ayaz, did you did you catch that fight? Did you catch any of these fights at all that I've mentioned that you want to give your say on? Yes, Zephyr Barrett. Yeah, I did see the fight. Um, I think personally, I think the guy um, we underestimated him. Obviously, Zephyr Barrett is a very young fighter, and obviously, it's a learning game for him at the moment. Uh, you win, you lose some. Okay, uh, fair place. But I tell you something, the, um, his opponent was way came in way bigger than him. He bullied him in the ring, but I'll tell you something, uh, Zelfa Barrett lost, but I think he'll come back stronger. Yeah, we certainly wish Zelfa all the very best, and also on this build, D.L. Jones, who was a heavyweight, he had a record going in of 8-0 and with one draw, he took on Daniel Dubois, 6-0 and with six knockouts, um, D.L. Jones, um, I, think he's, I think his name's Dave Jones, I should say, well anyway, he... Um, he came into the fight with no knockouts, so he, he, you know we, we knew straight away he wasn't really a huge puncher. It was for the Southern Area Heavyweight title. Uh, this fight here, I mean, huh, Dubois hurt Jones one or two times with, with his left hand. I liked to see Dubois really dishing out with the left, because I think people go crazy about his overhand right. I think he's he's got much more to his game than just a big overhand right or a right hook. You know, I think um, I think a jab that Jones walked into, um, I think was was the first shot that hurt him that I'm talking about here. I think it was a jab the first time, and I think it was a left hook the second time to the head. But you know, Jones wasn't. I mean, he, he showed he's not really a bad fighter. I mean, when he gets in close, he he was holding. That's the right kind of thing to do. I felt um, he was. He, you know, he was trying to keep the fight at range, and you know, he was he was a slightly bigger man as well. But the heads were going in a lot when they were clinching, and the referee wasn't doing a great job of the fight, in my honest opinion. He wasn't really controlling both the fighters too well. Dubois really got on top in the second round, but. But but Dave Jones, you know, he took he took Dubois into the third round. That's the first time that Dubois had seen the third round in a pro ring. Um, you know, Dubois really stuck it on him in that third round, though. And Dave Jones, like I say, kept putting his head on on Dubois, kept sort of doing that on the blind side of the referee a lot. I know that Frank Warren picked up on that afterwards, but I saw that straight away. And you know, the referee's performance I thought was quite terrible. But yeah, Dubois seemed to, you know, he pinned Jones on the ropes when the when the when the stoppage came. He pinned Jones on the ropes and kind of pummeled him. But Jones was firing back. I don't really think he seemed like, you know, extremely hurt or anything. He just wasn't really um I don't know. He was taking a few good shots, but I'm not. I don't think they they affected him too well. I think he showed quite a good chin there. I'd like to see him in with some of the guys at domestic level, like your David Prices and stuff like that. I think he'd definitely take those fights for sure. Um, I think he's he's quite a decent fighter. But yeah, the referee waved it off in the end because you know it was a bit of an onslaught from Dubois. Not everything landing, but it was it was certainly one way traffic at that point. Another dominant performance from Dubois, and like I say, for the first time, I as he goes into the third round. Um, 
a TKO for him there. And the main event now, Anthony Yard 14-0 took on Tony Avalanche 26-9 with two draws. Obviously, Avalanche had been knocked out previously by um, Jürgen Bremer in the early rounds, so I actually expected Yard to get him out of there in four rounds, something like that. I don't think Anthony Yard had been past the fourth or fifth round in his pro career up until this point. He got took into round seven, and at the end of the seventh round, Tony Avalanche decided to retire on his stall. But yeah, the fight itself, I'm going to try to go for it really round by round, a quick little breakdown here. Um, the first round, Yard was all over him. He was on the front foot. He was being tricky. He was cutting down the ring. He was landing to the head and the body. The second round, I think Anthony Yard, he took a couple of straight right hands himself, which... Um, I thought was quite surprising, you know, whenever he was kind of being a little bit lazy with his defense, not bringing his glove back, um, you know, over his chin kind of thing. Um, you know, he took a couple of shots. He didn't really have any problem with the shots. He always came back and returned as well with his own. Um, you know, Yard won that round again, constant pressure. The third round, Avalan seemed to to get a bloodied nose. I don't know what shot actually caused it, but it was it was constant domination from Yard once again. And what I will say about the Frenchman is he covers up really well when he's defending. Like, his defense was actually all right. I think that Yard was finding it quite hard to bust it up a little bit. The Frenchman, um, he kept being yelled. Like, his, his corner kept yelling to him, distance, distance, which obviously meant to fight at range and not to stay in the pocket. And, you know, he, he did that, you know. He, he showed his bicycle skills um you know in that ring and he, he was he was moving all over the place but he was he was feeling the pace by I think probably by about the third round really the, the fourth round not much was really landed from either guy I think that Yard won that round for sure but the Frenchman seemed to um you know t that was where it was quite clear that that his original plan was to try and survive the early rounds and try and get something going in the late rounds but he did seem to tire like I say and um I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that the knockdown came in, was it the fourth round, Ayers, or the fifth round? I've completely forgot. Or was it the sixth? The sixth round, I think. Yeah, sixth round, the seventh round, he was finished. Yeah, but didn't he, I thought that he was, oh no, yeah, he got. He got kind of got a little bit saved by the bell, didn't he? Yeah, he was down, yeah. he was down, yeah, like I say. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know... He did well to get up, to be completely honest. It was a huge, huge left hook to the body. Really, really great, great shot. Really well placed and everything like that. And like I say, he got up. He somehow survived the few remaining seconds of the round. Um, you know, he was, he was saved by the bell. And, and Avalanche corner, they pulled him out at the end of round seven, which I think was a wise decision. He seemed to earn his money for sure. He took a bit of a beating, but he showed incredible heart. Some questions were also answered on Yard's gas tank to some extent. You know, like he seemed to be tiring a little bit, to be honest. But, you know, this Frenchman was, was really tough, but, you know, way tougher than his record suggested. Nine losses, only two stoppages. Now he's got three stoppages in ten losses. You know, not that it was a great record, but if you compare, you know, the fact that he got stopped by Jürgen Bremer in the second round, it doesn't really look great that Yard, who's this big power puncher, took seven to dispatch of him. But, um, you know, styles make fights, I suppose. And, you know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm really happy that Yard's done the rounds. And one thing that, or one person that will be more happy, or two people, I should say, that will be more happy than me that he's done the rounds will be his trainer, Tunde Ajay, and, of course, Anthony Yard himself. He, he likes to go the rounds. He likes to prove people wrong. And I felt that he did that. Anything that you want to say on this one, Ayers? Because we've took about half an hour breaking this card down. I want to try and move on a bit quicker. Oh, I think Bot's very brilliant. I think... 
what he did was very, very good. They said this was meant to be a big test for him, but he took him out. Now, I think oh, the fight I want to see him fight now is I want to see, I really want to see the Frank Bullioni fight because I think uh, Yard will beat him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great fight. I mean, it, it may come off. We'll have to wait and see. It's one of those fantastic fights that can be made. Um, moving over now to the Doncaster Dome. Two fights to mention on this bill. Andy Townend, 20-4, and four, took on William Warburton, 24-128. and 128. Willie, William Warburton's... Re- he's had over 150 fights there. This was his 153rd pro fight. Um, it was a four-round points win for Andy Townend. He's now 21-4. and four. Um, I think he's supposed to be fighting um, Joe Caldina in, in a few weeks on the... Uh, you know, on the Joshua Parker undercard. So, yeah, good little win there for Andy Townend before that fight. Um, I just want to quickly clear up on a mistake. William Warburton fought here. The guy that was supposed to take on Umar Sadiq wasn't Warburton. I was wondering, I was thinking he's quite a bit smaller than him, isn't he? It was supposed to be Adam Jones. Th- th- those two journeymen, they're my two favourite journeymen, so I always confuse them. Um, Adam Jones is the, the good-looking one. <laughs> right, the, well, it wasn't the main event, but um, I suppose... In, in in a horrific way, it did end up being the main event. Dex Spellman, eleven and zero, put his put his undefeated record on the line here against Scott Westgarth, six and two with one draw going in. Dex Spellman was on the deck in the third round, and Scott Westgarth was down in the tenth. Um, you know, we were talking last week that Dex Spellman, um, you know, he's he's kind of being touted as quite a good light heavyweight on the domestic scene. Perhaps he'll be, you know, he's up there with the kind of guys like your Callum Johnson, stuff like that. Um, you know, he's good on the domestic scene. Um, obviously, this, this fight, if you didn't know, if you're listening to me now and didn't know, this was a, a huge, tragic um, event here. Um, after the fight, Scott Westgarth went back to the dressing room and collapsed. Um, he was taken to hospital and he later passed away. Um, a friend of mine actually was working at the event, working the event for Boxing Social. I think it was streamed on their Facebook page or something like that. And my friend, a friend of mine called Shane, actually, he interviewed Scott Westgarth just moments before he collapsed. And it's crazy because when he got out of the ring, if you watch that interview, he seems completely fine you'd never know that he's about to collapse in about 10 minutes time and he's gonna you know he's not gonna wake up from it it seems absolutely crazy um and of of course it's tragic and obviously the main event was supposed to be curtis woodhouse against john wayne hibber and that couldn't happen the entire card had to stop where it was in fact there were two boxers that were actually in the ring fighting and because of the seriousness of what had happened with scott westgarth the ringside doctors had to go with scott westgarth to the hospital and therefore they couldn't be at the event so the fight that was in progress had to be halted and it it went down as a no contest for both men that was james flint on his debut he was making his debut and his fight had to get stopped and he took on a guy who was 0 and 26 um of course that fight didn't end up happening and the main event like i say it would have been quite a good fight between hibbert and curtis woodhouse but that fight got cancelled um so yeah tragic horrific i mean very sad i mean these these things happen very rarely in boxing, but when they do happen, it really hits home. I didn't know Scott Westgarth, but everybody that did know him said that, you know, he was a really, really nice guy and, you know, 
he seemed it. He, he come across really well in the interview, like I say, which was bizarrely ten minutes before all the rest of the the tragedy. Um, so yeah, I'd just like to say, obviously from from myself and Iaz, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with Scott Westgarth's family. Uh, you know, during this tragic, tragic, tragic event, I think there's a GoFundMe page that you can check out that um, that, that I think somebody set up in. You know, in support of Scott Westgarth's family, I think he left behind a wife and maybe, maybe a couple of children, which is just even worse. You know, so everybody check that out. And like I say, I had um, very, very sad, eh? Yeah, very, very sad. What can we say? But um, I mean, rest in peace. I mean, he's had a good career, but what can you say at the end of the day? It's boxing. Yeah, it is boxing. I mean, he finishes his his career obviously with a record of seven and two with one draw. He actually took Dex Spellman's O. It was unbelievable. He won the fight, you know, over over a ten round points decision. So quite unbelievable there. He took Dex Spellman's O, and um, you know what happened? It was just unbelievable. So yeah, like I say, thoughts and prayers with the Westgarth family. Moving over now to the forum in Inglewood, California. This this bill was actually stringed on um, on on a website somewhere, and I'm I'm really ashamed to say, but I didn't have enough time to watch this bill. And like I say, we've got so much to go over. I'm just going to fly through this. What have we got? What have we got? McWilliams Arroyo, 16 and three, fought for the vacant WBC silver super flyweight title against Carlos Quadras, 36 and two, with one draw. A majority decision in favour of McWilliams Arroyo, and I deem that as a really big upset. Uh, maybe if anybody's seen that fight, just just give us a tweet on Twitter and let us know if that was the right decision. Because Quadras is a good fighter, but McWilliams Arroyo, I mean, he's not a bad fighter, but he's you know he seems like when he fights the top top guys, he seems to lose. So that seems quite an upset there. Um, Artem Delakian moved to 16-0. and 0. He beat Brian Villoria over 12 rounds. Despite having a point deducted in the ninth round for repeated pushing of, of Villoria's head, Delakian still won a unanimous decision. He's the new WBA World Flyweight Champion. Donny Nietes moved to win number 41. It was a KO over Juan Reveco. I may be giving him a huge injustice there. I didn't really know too much about Juan Reveco, but anyway, he was cut from a punch in round six. He was down in round seven, and his corner threw in the towel in that seventh round after the knockdown. So a KO win there for Donny Nietes. He defended successfully his IBF World Flyweight title. He's now 41-1 and with four draws. And Juan Carlos Reveco still searching for win number 40. He's 39-4. and The main event, though, the man that beat... Roman Gonzalez Chocolatito twice back-to-back in great fashion the second time especially. For the WBC World Super Flyweight title, he beat Juan Estrada. It was a majority decision over 12 rounds. Estrada, 36-2 and two going in. And um, Wisaxel Wangek, or, or, or Saw Rungvasai, he's also known as... Um, he picked up the win, so uh, 45 and four with one draw inside 50 fights. But like I say, I was so torn with time; I didn't get to see it. I know that you had things going on, also I had. So I'm sorry to let the hardcores down this week. It is my uh, my bad. I'm, it's my mistake. My my apologies. 
But moving over now to the Sunday bill. This one happened at the Victoria Warehouse Hotel in Manchester, Lancashire, United Kingdom. The final bill to mention of the review. And we're going to start with the undercard. Kez Ashfak made his debut. He took on Brett Fido. Brett Fido is a man that I know fought Charlie Edwards at some point. Um, you know, I like Ashfak. I like Ashfak. He's he's obviously a southpaw. He's got that kind of hands-down, flashy style. He's very speedy. There's a lot to like about him. I'm quite excited, you know, about his development. Um, also on this bill, Marcus Morrison moved to 16-2. and two. It was a TKO in round two against Fernando Heredia, who was only 3-3 three and three going in. Um, credit to Marcus Morrison. You know, he's, he's faced a few... Bits of um, adversity, to say the least. So I'm happy that he's back to winning ways. Scott Fitzgerald, he moved to 9-0. and It was a win against Ishmael Tete, who was 34-13 and with two draws. Now, um, Scott Fitzgerald, I mean, it was a brutal, brutal left hook to Tete's jaw. And Tete, also known, by the way, as the Black Roy Jones Jr. I don't know why, because Roy Jones Jr. is black, and I don't know... I think I think he must know that. So I don't know why he's the black the black Roy Jones Jr. But it is what it was. Um, it, it was his fiftieth fight, but unfortunately he couldn't win, and he was you know he was stopped. He's never been stopped in the first round before. Um, maybe he should do the same. I mean he's 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 had a bunch of fights, like I say. Maybe he should do the same as Roy Jones Jr. and um, you know copy him and what he's doing now, which which of course was retiring. Um, I don't want to be too harsh there. I, I just wanted to kind of say that. I'm a little bit nasty this week. A little bit nasty. Um, Scott Fitzgerald, like I say, nine and zero. Really looking forward to his progression. Also, Natasha Jonas moved to five and zero. She went to points over six rounds against Karina Kapinska. That's the first time that Natasha Jonas has gone to points. Her opponent had also previously fought Chantel Cameron and gone the distance with her over six rounds. She'd also fought Katie Taylor and got knocked out in three rounds. And, you know, after the fight, Joe Gallagher was speaking very confidently when he said that he wants the Katie Taylor fight for Natasha Jonas at the end of this year. And that'd be a great, great fight. I hope it happens. Um, moving up the bill once again, Hosea Burton picked up win number 21. He's, of course, got that one loss to Frank Buglioni. It was a points win over eight rounds against Josip Perkovic, who's now 4-4 four and four with one draw. It wasn't really the best bill, this one. It was more of a showcase kind of card. Um, a little bit like Frank Warren's undercard as well, you know, on, on, on Saturday night also. Um, Jordan Gill moved to 19-0, and 0, a unanimous decision win against Jason Cunningham, who's now 23-5. and 5. Cunningham was down in the fourth round and also, again, I think it was in the seventh. Um, a unanimous decision, like I say, over 10 rounds there. Now, that fight, Jordan Gill really impressed me. And one thing I like about him is he cuts off the ring really, really well. You know, he cuts his opponent down, and his timing's very good. He looked quite heavy-handed, though his record wouldn't suggest it. Um, in the fourth round, you know, he decked Cunningham, but it looked as though Cunningham kind of ducked onto the shot a little bit and got caught coming in. Um, you know, Gill had his man down again in the seventh round also, but Cunningham, you know, he came on really strong in the final round, massively in the final round. And at one or two points, really, it looked like he was going to possibly stop Gill. Gill's eye was badly damaged also, but I'd like to see Gill in with Reese Bellotti. I know they had Reese Bellotti ringside, and that's certainly a fantastic fight I'd like to see. And the final fight to mention, 
mention the main event, Lewis Ritson, 13-0, making his first defence of the British lightweight title against Joe Murray, 23-2. Now, the mad thing about this fight was that Joe Murray was saying it was way too soon for Lewis Ritson. He was saying that after he beats Ritson, he wants Anthony Crawler. Boy, oh boy, did he eat those words. <laughs> The fight started fast, and, you know, for me, Murray was getting his jabs off really, really well. He was having a lot of success with the jab, but when he was backed up by Ritson, Ritson deployed that big left hook to the body, which put Murray down just 75 seconds into the first round. Um, Joe Hughes got back up very bravely, but after another combination of body shots and head shots from Ritson, he went down again, and then pretty much the same again. Um, you know, the, the third time Ritson was 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 pinning Murray on the ropes, and he threw a big combination to the head and body of of Murray, and you know Murray wasn't firing back, and Howard Foster jumped in and stopped it. So that was a huge, huge win. Like I say, really made Joe Hughes eat his words, and Lewis Ritson all of a sudden, overnight it would seem, has become a real player in the lightweight division, not just in Britain, but, I mean, he's going to stay at that level for a moment, I know they're talking about the Scott Cardle fight, but if he comes through those fights, especially if he was to beat Scott Cardle, then he becomes a really, really, really big name, and a really good fighter, and I'd really like to see him try his hand on maybe the European level, and perhaps even more than that, I think he's got a ton of potential, he's still only young, and, you know, I really like the look of Lewis Ritson, not a flashy kid either, really nice guy, so, um, yeah, I really like I really like that fighter, and like I say, I wish him all the very best in his next fight. He's now fourteen and oh, that really is it for the reviewing. There's been so much to go over. Could you imagine if I actually did watch the Superfly card as well? It would have gone on for two hours. I'm very sorry that I didn't. Um, just before we wrap up part one, there's one last thing to do. That of course is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former Commonwealth heavyweight title challenger. And this Saturday, he'll be fighting once again for the Commonwealth title. It's, of course, my pleasure to welcome the white rhino, Dave Allen. Dave, welcome to the show, my man. It's been quite a while. Thanks very much, mate. It has been a while. Um, back now, back uh, back on the show, back fighting, back fighting for the Commonwealth title. So, yeah, everything's uh, everything's really well, mate. Thank you. Brilliant, brilliant. We last spoke in September, I believe. I remember speaking to you a lot about the loss to Lemroy Thomas. It was quite a uh, a bit of an emotional interview, to be honest, but you were quite happy that the rematch was going to be happening on the Joshua and Pulev undercard at that time. Obviously, Pulev, you know, he pulled out the fight, then Takam stepped in to add insult to injury. Lemroy Thomas came up with a little bit of a silly excuse, it seemed, to not go ahead with the fight, and you had seemingly trained for no reason. Obviously, along with that, you, you, you sustained a little bit of a back injury how are things now and in hindsight Dave after carrying that little injury there are you some ways happier that this fight's happening now rather than back in October yeah I think it's I think it's probably the best for me I think uh, it's giving me a little bit more time maybe I was in good condition for Cardiff you know but uh, I'm in even better even better shape now um, everything happens for a reason I'm sure Lenroy will be in great shape uh, you know, I can speak for myself. I'm in fantastic shape. Hopefully, it's a better fight this time. You know, uh, oh, oh, honestly, like most important thing is the result. But I'm very hopeful that we're gonna have a really good fight as well. 
obviously, as we know there, in your time out of the ring, you've managed to get yourself in what you just said there was, uh, you know, a great, great shape. I've seen pictures of you. you. You seem to be in really good shape. What's the biggest factor of getting into that shape? And will we uh, will we see you at your lightest at the weigh-in than you've ever been as a pro so far, Dave? Yeah, you know, the I, I was light, the lightest I've been was last week. Uh, I sparred. I didn't particularly feel great. Um so I'll be weighing in around 17 still. Um, it's how I feel. You know, luckily the heavyweight, you have some leeway and you can play around a little bit, see what works, see what doesn't. What I can promise, I can't promise what I will weigh, I don't know, I'm not really that close, but what I can promise is I will be 100% the best I can be on the night. You know, there's no excuses. I will be the best I can be. Um, no, No less, no more. You know, that's all I can promise. I will be the best I can be. And uh, and and I believe it will be enough. You know, I expect Leroy to have improved, but um, but yeah, I think I think from the first fight, I'm a totally different man. And Dave, I want to ask you. Obviously, like I say, you're in you're in really good shape. What's really been the one kind of main factor of that? Is it the diet? Is it just I don't know more training? You tell me. Uh, the diet. I think I've always liked to train. I always train. Um, but you know the, the eating. Uh, extra running, extra road work on the track, um, lots of different things, lots of different things. Yeah. But mainly running, diet, more time in the gym, um, so many things. Everything. I'm just, I'm just a professional now. This, this fight is very important. You know, it's not the end of my career, but it, it's a long way back to trying to get to this kind of level. So um, I put everything into it, you know, and, and hopefully we'll see the rewards next week. And in the first fight, Dave, I remember you went in with supreme confidence. You believed that you'd beat Lenroy Thomas with relative ease, I suppose. I mean, it obviously backfired. I know that you blamed yourself a lot, but we can't ignore Lenroy's probably a better boxer than most people gave him credit for. Um, And I felt that really, in hindsight, perhaps you'd underestimated him a little bit in the first fight. If, If that was the case, Dave, and I know that Eddie Hearn has been saying countless times now, this is your last chance. So I want to ask you, do you feel the pressure now, you know, in this fight? And also, is that good or bad if you do feel that pressure? Is it a good or bad thing? I don't feel the pressure of it because it's a great opportunity for me. I'm going to this fight uh, as a favourite. I'm a favourite in my eyes, in the bookies' eyes, uh, a lot of people's eyes. Lenroy Thomas, I didn't show him the correct respect last time. Me at 100% and Leonard Thomas 100%, I believe I win the fight, you know. I put myself 100% ready physically. Now I've got to prepare myself mentally all week, get in the correct uh, place mentally, keep my weight down all week, keep uh, keep being sensible, not doing stupid things like I've done in the past on fight week, and go in there and do the business, you know. Uh, Leonard Thomas, like I say, he's a good boxer, you know. If he was if he was, a, if he was an English man, a British man, he'd be the British champion right now, I believe. He'd be... Uh, in and around, you know, with Sexton, probably beat Sexton, you know, so he's a good fighter. I've got to be, uh, I've got to be switched on to beat him. And I am this time, I took it for granted. I was overlooking him, I was looking past him, I seen, I seen a few defeats in his record, and I thought it was going to be an easy night, and I've learned from that. I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me losing to Lenore Thomas last time. And I know, Dave, that you're a realist and sometimes you're, you know, you've been too honest for your own good in the past. And I almost don't want to ask you this question, but should this fight go the same way it did last time, um, you know, and you, you emerged the loser in this fight, where does Dave Allen go from there? I'm not sure, you know, like, say, you have to look at it. Every, people, I say that, well, you know, if you lose and say, well, you don't think like that. 
Yeah, I think like that because this is this is life. This is this is is a possibility. It's a big possibility. It can happen. One shot, you know. I don't turn up on the night. I don't perform, and it's and and you're looking. I'm looking at um, another defeat at Commonwealth title level. So, you know, you win this fight. I, I go on to fight for British titles. I'm I'm involved in a, in a very good domestic British mix and maybe beyond, hopefully. But a loss in this fight is a long rebuilding process. There's two options. I go on the road. Uh, high-level journeyman, I would think I would be. You know, I'm not like to do four or sixes on the road in Britain. I'm not going to get many fights like that. But you know, doing what Tom Little and Sean Turner done fighting you, the Hergovitches and your Tony Oakers and your Joe Joyces, you know, or or I go away and I rebuild with four and six rounders, eight rounders in my own right, and and pick up Central Area English titles, you know. So, you know, they're the options I'll be left with if, uh, if I don't win Saturday night. And I want to ask you about a couple of other fights. Former foe of yourself, Luis Ortiz, will challenge Deontay Wilder for the WBC title a couple of hours after your fight. Who wins that one for you, Dave? Um, if I have to say so, I think Luis Ortiz is going to win. Uh, I, I was thinking, um, I was thinking that Wilder would win. Too fresh, too young, too big. But you know, and then and then I spoke to a friend of mine. And he was like, "Well, who's Wilder really box like? Is anyone as good as Ortiz?" And he looked at me like, "I think nobody really." He was struggling with Spielke. He was losing to Artur Spielke. I sparred Spielke and I boxed Ortiz. And one thing I can say is, Artur Spielke is not a tenth of the fighter uh, Ortiz is. So, if Ortiz retained enough at his advancing his advancing years with not much action in the ring, then uh, Ortiz can definitely win. It's what I'm looking forward to. I think. It's much more of a 50-50 than I envisage Parker Joshua being. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair comment. And obviously, for the British title, it's been announced just a, just a few days back now, I think maybe a couple of weeks, Huey Fury, a friend of yours, takes on Sam Sexton. Um, yeah. Is that a fight that Huey goes in as, as a massive favourite? Do you think he doesn't really have any problems with Sexton, or is it a good fight, that one? I think Huey wins. Um, you know, Huey wins over Rodenko. You know, you'd say Rodenko probably a level or two above uh, Sam Sexton. Sam Sexton, the British champion, you've got to respect him. It's a brilliant achievement. You know, it's one I hope to aspire to myself one day. So I can't really sit here and say Sam Sexton's no good. He's a solid fighter. But Huey Fury would think his movement, what he showed in the Parker fight, defensively and, and whatever else. You know, if he, if he starts implementing um, a good offensive side to his game, he's going to be a hard one to beat, especially at domestic level. Yeah, for sure. And a couple of uh, a couple of the last questions I've got for you now, Dave. Moving a little bit away from you know the, the fighting side of the sport, you've obviously got your own boxing podcast now called the White Rhino Fightcast. Yeah. How's that going for you? You enjoying it, Dave? Yeah, you know, it's just I just pick the phone up and talk for an hour every now and again. It's just um, <laughs> I don't really know what it's about. I didn't even know what a podcast was when I was asked to do it, so I just. I just do it, you know, I've got that going off the Rhino Sanctuary, me and my friend are doing that, uh, very busy for the last six, seven weeks, you know, everything's been on hold, getting ready for the fight, but after the fight, you know, um, looking to pick them, them two things back up and, um, you know, just keeping busy with, with, with life, you know, just keeping, uh, keeping myself busy. Wicked, man, wicked, yeah. Shout out to the, uh, you know, the, the Rhino Sanctuary movement. I quite like that. I like the fact that you'll be opening a boxing gym. And as for the comment that you didn't know what a podcast was, you've been on here many times, Dave. You know what a podcast was. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what a podcast was. This was just uh, my mate ringing me up and I, and I talked to him and people listened to it. I wasn't really sure what uh, what what it was, so... 
Okie dokie. And also, I've got a bone to pick with you about about something else, and excuse the pun. Yeah. The, uh, KFC had a bit of a chicken shortage last week. I was so angry for like five days. Obviously, you know, me and you very loyal to KFC. But my first thought was that it had something to do with you. Then I remembered the great shape that you've been in. So I suppose in your eyes, KFC have chose a fantastic time to have a chicken shortage while you're in Camp Dave. <laughs> it's funny because people kept asking me about it and I had no idea. Um... What they was on about, and then uh, and then I realised, and then I thought that's brilliant because I'm not even eating it. So I'd have been fuming if I would have been eating it, and I'd have gone if it'd have happened uh, the day after the fight, on the day of the fight, after the fight, I'd go and go and get some. I'd have been fuming, but uh, it's worked out all right. They better have some Saturday night. I know that. <laughs> And finally, Dave, I just want to ask you, you may not want to give it to us, it's up to you. Have you got any kind of prediction for your fight? I know that you're obviously not underestimating Lemroy this time. You know no. what he's about. You've done the full rounds with him. You've gone the distance. How do you see this fight playing out? How do you have your hand raised on Saturday night? I think the new me, fit, fresh, fast. I think I might just be a little bit too fast, a little bit too fresh and wanting a little bit too much for Lemroy Thomas. I think surprised me last time. He graded it out at times at points in the fight, but I wasn't able to put the 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 right pressure on that I needed to break him down. And this time I will. And you know, one thing I will say is if Lenroy Thomas beats me this time, I will go over like I did last time, shake his hand, and he's a better man. Um, and that's that. You know, I'm 100% ready, fit. Everything has gone perfectly well. No excuses. If he beats me, he's a better man. I don't see that happening. Okay, listen, Dave, well, you know this when I say it, you know that I'm I'm talking the truth when I wish you the absolute best of luck for Saturday night. Thank you for your time, mate, and we'll catch up afterwards when you've got that Commonwealth strap around your waist, I'm sure of it. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is the news part. Let's throw it over now to the Trevor McDonald of the boxing world, Mr. Ayers Sumra. Take it away, Ayers. Natasha Jonas and Cash Asper will both appear on the undercard of Amir Khan v. Phil LeGreco fight. Yes, um, you know, both, both, I was going to say both guys, of course. Um, Kez Ashfak being a guy and Natasha Jonas, of course, being a female, very pretty one. Uh, that's another story. But yeah, they're both on this bill. It's good to see them both out again. They were both on the, the bill on Sunday, which was last Sunday, that one that we mentioned just before part one ended. So um, yeah, it's good that they're being kept busy. Um Certainly in Natasha Jonas's case, I'd like to see her push on for some titles. I know that she wants that. I know that Joe Gallagher wants that. And like I say, I was quite impressed with Ashfak. I want to see his development as well. So I'm pleased about that. Anthony Fowler will, will be on the undercard of Dillia White versus Lucas Brown. Yeah, it's good for Anthony Fowler. I mean, he's he's getting on all these undercards. He's been quite active since turning pro. Um, you know, that's I'm really looking forward to that fight March 24th. And, yeah, I'm happy that he's been added to the bill. Hopefully they throw him in with somebody that we've heard of at least this time. But, um, yeah, I'm pleased for him. He'd be very happy to be on this bill. Jose Pedraza has signed a promotional agreement with Top Rank Boxing. Yeah, I mean, Jose Pedraza, I remember when he beat Stephen Smith, he looked so good that night. And then when he took on Javante Davis, and Javante Davis did a proper number on him, um, you know, that was where I really wasn't too sure about Pedraza. I don't know if he just had an off night or Javante Davis was really that good. 
we haven't really seen anything, you know, since then, really, of Pedraza. Because he, seem, he seems like he's been inactive. I'm probably wrong. He's probably had a couple wins since then. But um, they haven't been on a big stage or anything. So to sign with top rank, I think, is a very clever move. Um, I still think, on his day, if he can, you know, if he can fight like he did in that fight against Stephen Smith, he was seriously one of the best fighters at Super Feather. He really was. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see him in... Um, you know, in a few good fights, and I'm sure that they will do that for him. I'm, I'm sure that Top Rank's the, the right promotional company to be with. So, very, very excited to see him back. And finally, Dale Evans and Shane Singleton have retired from boxing. Yes, yeah, funny because um, Dale Evans, in his last fight, he took on Bradley Skeet, and he's decided to retire. I'm not quite sure why. I, I think it's because like he's fell out of love with boxing a little bit or something like that. Shane Singleton, who again his last opponent was Bradley Skeet, he's decided to retire. Um, I think he's just had enough of it all, really. Um, so so it's quite strange because both men hadn't really had many fights. Shane Singleton had twenty five fights in total, and Dale Evans only had eighteen fights in total. And I was just going down Bradley Skeet's record, and you know he took on John Fain. That was back in 2016 in November. John Fain hasn't fought since. And before that, he took on Alexandra Lapelle, And Lapelle hasn't boxed since. So it just seems quite, quite a bizarre statistic there. That in Bradley Skeet's last four fights, two of his opponents have retired and two of them haven't fought since. So they're currently inactive. They're thrown out of any rankings. I don't know if they're going to be retiring, but it just seems mad. You box Bradley Skeet and then you just, you just retire. You want to give it up because he boxes your head off. Hopefully it happens on the 24th of March when he goes out to Spain. Um, obviously, we had Bradley Skeet on last week's show, and I put the... Um, I put the you know the podcast on Twitter, and some someone of the I don't know who it was, but someone in Spain found the the, the tweet, and they they must have listened to you know the interview, and there was a bit in the interview where I was pronouncing the guy's name, and Bradley Skeet couldn't pronounce his opponent's name, and in response they was like, yeah, you're gonna know how to pronounce his name on March 24th. I was like, oh, all right, all right, calm it, calm it. <laughs> so um. I thought of a good response anyway. He's taking on a... We're going really off the, off the subject here, but I thought of a great response. He's taking on a guy called Kerman Leharaga. So, Kerman Leharaga. So, I'm saying that Bradley Skeet is going to put the pain into Spain and he's going to turn Kerman into Kermit. That's what I'm saying. And he likes it, Bradley Skeet, as well. I'm sure he's going to probably be pumping that out on fight week. <laughs> so, you know where you heard it first. It was from me. Bradley Skeet's going to steal that, I'm sure. But, yeah, let's move on now to the preview. And thank you for the news, Eyes. As always, this fight happening later today, Thursday, the 1st of March. It's a rematch. Lewis Neri, 25-0. and 0. This one's for the WBC World Bantam weight title he takes on Shinsuke Yamanaka 27 and 1 with two draws that one loss to Lewis Neary it's a bizarre situation because uh, Lewis Neary went over to Japan and took the title away from Yamanaka and then he fouled a drugs test um, you know, not that I'm going to try and throw any kind of shade on the WBC, but Luis Neary's a Mexican fighter. The WBC's a Mexican organization. They didn't strip him, I don't think, and they definitely didn't ban him or take him off the, you know, the rankings or anything, but there's a rematch on, and 
really, Lewis Neary should be banned from boxing, at least for a couple of years. But that's not what's happened. The rematch is on, and I think he's quite a big favourite. But Yamanaka was a great fighter before that, so hopefully he can get revenge for his sake. You know, you know, fights should be fought fairly. Um, we don't need a reminder about, you know, what can happen, because obviously not that anybody was 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 doping or anything in in the tragic event that happened last week but i'm just saying this it just reminds you how dangerous this sport really is um moving over now to a bill that's happening tomorrow at the york hall in bethnal green a fight card that i will be there for um it's, it's once again another showcase bill from frank warren here all his prospects are on it we've got um I'm just going to run through the names. We've got Tony Vincent, 1-0. We've got Jake Petit, 2-0. We've got Zach Chelly, 3-0. We've got Sanjeev Sohota, 10-0. We've got Sonny Edwards, 6-0. We've got Charlie Driscoll, 5-0. All those fighters there, their opponents are yet to be announced. Um, also on this bill, we've got DP Carr, 8-0. He takes on Paul Holt, 7-6. We've got Alfie Price making his debut against Andy Harris, 3-56 with one draw. Harley Ben, the son of Nigel Ben's also on this bill in his third pro outing. He takes on Gary Cooper, who's 4-20 and 20 with one draw. And the, I think it's the main event, maybe not, I don't think it really matters which order this is in, but Charlie Duffield, 4-1, and one, he's in a six-rounder against Chris Nixon, 8-12. and 12. So, once again, a bit of a prospect showcase bill, that one, but I like those bills sometimes, so I'm going to be there. Uh, moving over now to the Santori Saleh in Cologne, Germany. One fight to mention on this bill, Avni Yildirim, 17-1. and one. I think he's already had one fight since being knocked out by Chris Eubank Jr. I think it was back in November or December. Well, anyway, he gets in the ring once again here, and this time it's against Derek Edwards, 27-7. and seven. It's quite a good fight. For those that may not be familiar with Derek Edwards, he's the guy that stopped Badu Jack in the first round. He's the only guy to have beaten Badu Jack. Um, you know, ferocious performance there from Derek Edwards. This one's for the WBC International Super Middleweight title as well, so that one should be quite a decent fight. It won't be on TV over here, but it'll be quite good. Moving over now to Puerto Rico at the Coliseo Mario Morales in Gualanoba. Something like that anyway. Um, one fight to mention over here. Juan Manuel Lopez, 35-5. and five. He's in a 12-rounder against Jason Velez. Um, he's 25-4 and four with one draw. Not, I don't particularly think that's going to be a great fight, but got to throw it out there. Moving over now to the Emperor's Palace in Kempton Park in South Africa. This bill will be shown on Box Nation in the daytime. I say the daytime, I think it's the evening time, but it's not the really late card. Of course, this weekend there's two bills on Box Nation, two bills on Sky. Um, you know, both channels are showing a fight like a fight card that starts about 7, 8 in the evening, and then they're going again later on in the evening, about 1 or 2 in the morning um, of Sunday. And also there's, I should mention, there's a bill, we will be talking about it in a moment anyway, but a bill that's happening on Channel 5 on Saturday, also at around about 7 o'clock, something like that, about 7, 8, 8.30 maybe at a push. Um, but yeah, down to the fight anyway, this one here, Kevin Lorena, who's 19-1, and one, he's the IBO World Cruiserweight Champion, he takes on Dimitro Kutcher, 24-2 and two with one draw, if I'm not mistaken, Dimitro Kutcher's coming off a loss to Marco Huck, I think he's been out the ring for quite a while, Kutcher, but I remember seeing him knock out um, Enzo Macronelli at York Hall, I remember being there ringside for that one, that was a brutal, brutal knockout, so Kutcher showed me that night he's quite a good fighter, 
Moving over now to York Hall on the Saturday. So there's a bill there on Friday, a Frank Warren show, and there's a bill there on Saturday also. Um, the reason why I'm bringing this one up is because Harlem Eubank gets out again. He fought last Saturday, and he's going to be fighting this Saturday. He's in a six-rounder against Fonz Alexander, a well-known journeyman around the circuit. Harlem Eubank, 4-0. Um, also on this bill as well, Dion Juma. Some of the casual fans, if you're listening, probably won't know who that is. Dion Juma is a guy that I think was with Adam Booth for quite a while. Then he moved out to Germany, and he just went really inactive, and he kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. He's been out the ring, I think, for two years. He's in a six-rounder here against Christian Kirillov, who's 5-5 five and five and one draw. I'd like to see Dion Juma back. I think he's a southpaw as well, so... Yeah, be interesting to see. I mean, he's one of those guys that just kind of fights a little bit and then disappears, you know? There's so many of those in boxing. Moving over now to the Hydro in Glasgow, Scotland. This one again, the Channel 5 card. Um, who's on this bill? Who's on this bill? We've got Joe Ham, 13-0. His opponent yet to be announced. Lee McGregor, 2-0. His opponent will be Scott Allen, 7-3 with one draw. That's an eight-rounder there. A lot of people quite high on Lee McGregor. Martin Bacoli Ilunga. 10-0. He's in a 10-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. Um, he's a good heavyweight, we've been told. He's a good fighter to look out for him. Um, also on the bill, Chantel Cameron. She defends her IBO World Female Lightweight title against Miriam Delau, who's 15-7 and with three draws. Chantel Cameron, 5-0. Jason Easton, 11-0. He fights for the Commonwealth Super Lightweight title against Glenn Foote. That's a really good fight there. 12-rounder, that one. Glenn Foote, really hard, hard man. Jason Easton in his toughest test to date, 100%. And the main event, Josh Taylor, 11-0, takes on Winston Campos, 30-3 with five draws. He was supposed to be taking on Humberto Soto. Um, that would have been quite a good fight. This, unfortunately, is a little bit of a step down for that. Again, it is for the WBC Silver Super Lightweight title. I don't know. I mean, you look at... You look at you look at these two here. Obviously, Josh Taylor's still on the up. He's got the 10 knockouts in 11 fights. Winston Campos, not really the biggest puncher. He's okay with his power. He's been knocked out twice in his three defeats. Um, one thing I will say, he got knocked out by Ishmael Barroso back in 2013. No real shame in that one. Barroso can certainly bang. And before that, he got knocked out in 2012 by Edgar Puerta, who I don't really know. So... Um, but aside from that, I mean, after losing to Barroso in 2013, he hasn't lost. And, you know, he's put together a few knockouts in that time as well. So it should be a decent fight, I suppose, to a certain degree. But um, he's got quite a padded record, this guy. He, he hasn't really, um, you know, fought for any major titles or anything like that. So um, I'm expecting a dominant performance, really, from Josh Taylor and probably a stoppage with a body shot at some point in the uh, in the fourth to sixth round, I'd say, if I had to say so. Oh, I also forgot we're doing the prediction leagues. There's so much going on. Let me quickly check if we did the Josh Taylor fight. I don't think we did. Um, let me quickly check. Let me quickly check. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Right, Ayers, me and you, Josh Taylor against Winston Campos. Um, the listeners are going with Taylor by knockout. I'm going to go with Taylor by knockout. Um, how do you see Josh Taylor beating Winston Campos on Saturday night? Um, I see Josh Taylor stopping him. Okay, so we're all going with knockout there. That's fine. Uh, moving over now to the Mecca in Regent Circus Swindon, Wiltshire, United Kingdom. couple fights to mention on this bill. 
Um, Luke Watkins, 13-0. His opponent yet to be announced. I'm not quite sure if he'll be defending his Cruiserweight Commonwealth title or not. So, um, either way, good fighter Luke Watkins. And also on this build, the sniper Sam Smith. He's 4-0. I'd like to see him moved along a little bit quicker. He seems to be quite inactive, to be honest, Sam Smith. But his opponent's yet to be announced. Also, moving over now to the Sheffield Arena in Sheffield, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. Few fights to mention on this very good bill. Rocky Fielding, 25-1. and his opponent yet to be announced Sam Eggington 21 on 4 I've heard he won't be on the bill so I'm not quite sure if that's still going ahead but his opponent's yet to be announced also Lee Wood 19 on 1 he's in a 6 rounder his opponent yet to be announced Lee Appleyard 12 and 3 takes on Atif Shafiq 18 and 2 really good 10 round fight there Kid Galahad 23 and 0 takes on Irvin Berry 23 and 7 with 2 draws that's a 10 rounder there um, Eddie Hearn has told Kid Galahad that he needs to impress in that one so hopefully he does I like Kid Galahad I got a lot of time for him and moving up the bill once again Lemroy Thomas defending his Commonwealth heavyweight title 22 and 4 he takes on Dave Allen who we spoke to earlier on in the show 12 and 3 with one draw that's a 12 rounder of course I really really hope Dave Allen can get his revenge he really does deserve it he's putting so much hard work in this fight he really really has and Moving up the bill once again, Gamal Yafai, 14-0, defending his WBC international super bantamweight title against Gavin McDonald, 18-1 with two draws. Once again, a really good fight. Gavin McDonald was on the show um, a few weeks ago. I think it was maybe two weeks ago. This is... Um, it's not the biggest fight of Gavin McDonald's life, of course, because he's fought for the European title, he's fought for a world title, he's been in some good fights and some good nights, but certainly for Gamal Yafai, this is the biggest fight of his life so far. Um, you'd have to say if Gavin McDonald loses this fight, then I don't really know what he does from there. It's an awkward and very difficult position to be in. I did say that to him, but if he wins, he's right back at it. He's still ranked with a WBC, and um, you know if Gamal Yafai wins... I mean, the way I kind of see it, it's like Gamal Yafai has got everything to gain. There's nothing to lose here for him. And Gavin McDonnell, he doesn't really have anything to gain. It's all to lose for him. So hopefully he can win the fight. But Gamal Yafai is looking quite good. I know he's the betting favourite also. Um, that's a 12-rounder there, of course. And the main event here, Kel Brook, his first fight at 154. He's moved up in weight, of course, and it's going to be for the WBC Silver Super Welterweight title. So Kel Brook jumping or looking to jump right up those WBC rankings. The champion, by the way, in the WBC at 154 is Jamel Charlo. What a fight that would be. Kel Brook, 36-2, takes on Sergei Rabchenko. He used to have something to do with Ricky Hatton. I don't think that he's still anything to do with him, but he's a decent fighter. 29 and 2 um he's not i think they're saying that he's like this big power puncher i don't think he is a, a big power puncher like they're trying to say but i'm excited mainly i as to see kel brook at this weight what are you expecting from kel brook and how excited are you to see him at 154 i'm i'm excited to see him at 154 i think it's a new i think it's a new weight for him and i think it'll be really good obviously 147 was a very i, I liked him at 147 Obviously, when the thing is, he jumped, he was very big, and I think that his body, because he had to drain a lot to fight one, four, uh, one, uh, one four seven. So one fifty four, I think, would be a very good fight. Now, if he wins his belt, he might be maybe mandatory for the Jamel Charlefer, which I think is a very dangerous fight. Personally, I wouldn't go down that route. Well, I'll go, I'll go down the WBO route, and I know that Saddam Ali's will most likely be fighting Liam Smith in his next fight. 
Should Shadam Ali beat Liam Smith, I'll, the fight I'll, I'll rather see, I think Kelbrook can win, easily win the title. Because I think Kelbrook can easily beat Shadam Ali. And I think, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to see fight Charlo because I think Charlo is very dangerous. But in this fight, I'm going to go for a Brook knockout. Uh, I, reckon Brooks won, uh, I reckon Brook will stop Rabchenko. But I'll, I want to see how good he is because I think 154, I personally think he's a big, I think he's naturally a 154 fighter. But we'll see how he fights in his first fight, 154. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see how he looks. Um, when I say that Rabchenko, I think his power is a little bit overrated. What I mean is I think the knockouts have come against guys who are relatively unknown. The two standout names on his resume is Anthony Mundine, who he lost a split decision to back in 2014, and Tony Harrison, who came up short against Jarrett Hurd for the vacant world title at one point. He got knocked out in the ninth round by Tony Harrison. Um, Tony Harrison is a proper banger, though, so no real shame in those. But I think Kell Brook stops him also and we've asked a poll on Twitter on this one Ayers and the listeners have gone with Brooke by knockout also so um, interestingly 5% have gone with Rabchenko by knockout I don't know if someone's trolling there but yeah um, yeah Brooke by knockout we're all agreeing so far on this week's prediction league so it's not very exciting at the moment but that's it for the Sky card again that one I think starts at 7 or 8 on, on Sky Sports so um, yeah there's a lot there's 5 different shows for the UK fans there's 5 different shows on TV and it's just going to be mad on Friday the, the Frank Warren card that I'm going to tomorrow that's not going to be shown on TV so I've got that bill to watch tomorrow and then on Saturday I've got 5 different bills so my promise will be though I'm going to watch all of them and, you know, I won't be doing what I did with the Superfly card. I'm going to watch all of them. That's my promise to you. Moving over now, stateside. Again, this is the card that's happening in the early hours of Sunday on Sky. So if you're not going to change the channel over, which some people probably won't, this is going to be the bill that you'll be watching. Um, we've got on this bill, I'm going to miss out some of the some of the prospects that I don't know too much about, but we've got... Gary Antoine Russell, that's the brother of the world champion Gary Russell Jr. He's 3-0. He takes on Demetrius Wilson, who's 2-5. That's a six-rounder there. Willie Monroe Jr. returns to the ring. I think probably the first fight since losing to Billy Joe Saunders for the world title back in... I think that was back in December, was it? No, 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 it wasn't back in December, back in September. Um, in December, Billy Joe fought Lemieux, didn't he? So, yeah, this is this is an eight-rounder. He takes on a guy called Carlos Galvan. Also on this bill, former world champion Charles Martin, I has 25-1 and one with one draw. The Southport banger. He takes on a guy called Curtis Harper, 13-5. and five. I remember Curtis Harper gave Chris Ariola a really hard night's work um, a few years back. I don't know if he's done much since then. I think Curtis Harper's quite an inactive boxer, so it'll be interesting to see how Charles Martin gets on there. Sergei Derevianchenko, 11-0. He's in an eight-rounder against Deshaun Jones. Johnson, 22 and 22 with three draws. I don't really see Derevianchenko having any trouble with him. Also on the bill, Alicia Napoleon, 8 and 1, takes on Femke Hermans. I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, the two women there are scrapping for the WBA World Female Super Middleweight title. The title at the moment is vacant. That's 10 two-minute rounds there. Moving up the bill once again, Andre Durrell, 26 and 2, takes on Josiah Uzkatgai who's 26-2 and two also now. Obviously, the first fight ended very controversially with, um, 
you know, with with Darrell being knocked down, and he tried to say it was after the bell. It seemed like it was on the bell, and then his uncle jumped in the ring and punched Uzkatagai with a really monstrous sucker punch that he wasn't ready for, and he didn't even rock him. He stood there and took the punch, and then his uncle went on a run from the police. Is he going to be in the corner, Ayaz? Tell me, is he going to be in that corner on Saturday night? <laughs> Um, I don't think he'll be in the corner. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. It's for the it's for the interim IBF World Super Middleweight title there. So um, hopefully Uzkatagai gets his justice and gets what he deserves. I feel. And the main event here: Deontay Wilder, thirty nine and O, looking for win number forty. He defends his WBC World Heavyweight title against Luis Ortiz, twenty eight and O. Somebody's O's got to go in this one. I as both men can punch. Boy, oh boy, does it go the distance? I think you're going to say certainly not. But what I will ask you, is, what's your thoughts on this fight and who wins it? I'll tell you what, I'm, I, I said this on the start, I think Deontay Wilder wins the fight, I reckon he'll stop him. Now, the reason why is, first of all, Deontay Wilder's been active and he's he's been knocking people out. Personally, I think this is a big test for Deontay Wilder because this is, this is his first big-name fight on his record, it's going to be. The problem is, the reason why Wilder beats... Ortiz is because Ortiz is inactive. We haven't seen much of Ortiz. Ortiz's last fight in the UK was against Dave Allen. And since then, he's had the ban and he came back. Ortiz is old and Ortiz has been inactive. That's why I reckon Deontay Wilder knocks him out. Well, I mean, he fought in um, he fought in December of last year. He took on Daniel Martz and he knocked him out in two rounds. Um, Daniel Martz is a guy that... Um, you know, got knocked out in two by Bryant Jennings and knocked out in one by Joseph Parker and stuff like that. So it wasn't really like a, you know, a fight that he was tested in at all. But obviously with the foul drug tests and all that kind of thing, we're not quite sure what version of Lewis Ortiz is going to turn up. And, you know, has he got old overnight? Well, I think he's probably got old over the last about 10 years or so. Nobody knows his real age. Um, For me, though, I as... I'm going against you here. I think Luis Ortiz is going to knock him out. And the reason why I say this, I'm always a daredevil when it comes to the predictions. But the reason why I say this is because Luis Ortiz is a very good boxer. And I think that Wilder, and I know that you agree with me, Ayers, Wilder has been outboxed. He seems like he, to be honest, he seems like he gets outboxed against most of the top guys. And he just finds that punch and then it's fight over. I don't think that he's going to be able to do that with Luis Ortiz. I think Ortiz coming at him with the southpaw stance as well. I think, don't get me wrong, if Wilder lands on Ortiz, it is lights out, 100%. But I think Ortiz has got a big shot himself. And I think that he's going to stop Wilder. I truly do. But the listeners, as you'll be pleased to know, have gone with you for this one. Um, you know, you guys are in the lead anyway, so I could really do with a win here. 67% going with Wilder by knockout and um, only 10% going with Ortiz by knockout. So huge, hugely stacked in the favour of Deontay Wilder. But for me, I'm going with Luis Ortiz. But that's really it for that one. Moving over now to the Madison Square Garden, New York, USA. Again, two fighters on this bill we will be speaking to in a few moments' time. They're facing each other, which is quite bizarre. Let's talk about the undercard firstly. Cassius Cheney, the heavyweight prospect, 11-0. He takes on Tim Washington. That's a four-rounder there. Cassius Cheney, um, a friend of the show. He's promoted by Kathy Duva's main events. I like Cassius Cheney a lot. Uh, moving up the bill, the brother of Devin Alexander, Vaughn Alexander. I think he did a, a little bit of time in prison. He's a good fighter, though. He's 11-0. He takes on a guy called Jamie Solorio, who's 12-3 with two draws. 
Dimitri Bivol, we will be speaking to him shortly. He's 12-0. and 0. He defends his WBA World Light Heavyweight title against Sullivan Barrera, 21-1. It's a 12-rounder, of course. Dimitri Bivol looking destructive in his last fight against Trent Broadhurst in Monaco. It only went around... One thing about Sullivan Barrera, though, is that he's been down three times in his last four fights. He's won every fight, by the way, but I just think that Dimitri Bivol, I'm not sure if he hits Barrera, he seems to hit people and they stay hit. So I don't know if Barrera will be able to pick himself up off the canvas here. But, you know, if you're a betting man and there's something about um, Barrera being knocked down and then getting up to win, I'm sure the odds on that would be absolutely mad. And that is very, very possible, because Barrera's got a ton of heart, and he's a great, great boxer. I think his chin's the only thing that perhaps lets him down a tiny bit, but I truly wish both men best of luck. I'll be speaking to the pair of them in a matter of moments, but... um yeah, it's a great, great fight that one. Um, we've we've gonna we've got to pick the, uh, the the predictions on this also, as so I'm gonna start with you, Dimitri Bivol, twelve and 0, 10 knockouts. Sullivan Barrera, twenty one and one. Of course, he can punch as well. The one loss was by decision to Andre Ward. It's a great fight. It's a great fight. Um, I'm gonna go with this win. I'm gonna go with uh, Dimitri Bivol by stoppage. Okay, our listeners have gone with Dimitri Bivol by stoppage also, and I'm going to agree with you once again, as we're all agreeing with each other this week, it seems. 73% going with that. Also, um, um, Sonny Edwards, the brother of Charlie Edwards, he's actually fighting tomorrow at the Frank Warren show. He he um, tweeted us saying he can't see anything but a Bivol knockout. I mean, I can see quite a few different things happening, but um, that's the one I can see most, if you, if you know what I mean. That's the one I can really visualize and see it in front of me um right moving up this card once again Sergei Kovalev 31 and 2 with one draw defends his WBO world light heavyweight title against Igor McCorkin 21 and 1 same record as Sullivan Barrera funny enough both men here are Russian um you know Kovalev's you know he's a big puncher McCorkin's not really a big puncher and when I spoke to Kathy Duva a few shows ago she said that if Kovalev wins his fight and Sullivan Barrera beats Bivol then it's a natural fight for for Kovalev to fight Barrera in a unification bout later on this year. Um, firstly, I as I know that we're we're massive fans of Kovalev, me and you. I'm going with a Kovalev knockout. I'm sure you're you're going with the same. So I'm going for a Kovalev knockout. Yep, and surely our listeners have gone with the same there. Let me just quickly check that. Yes, 93% going with Kovalev by knockout, 7% going with Kovalev on points, which means that nobody at all voted for Igor McCorkin. So I wish both men the best of luck, may the best man win, but for me, I think Kovalev will win that one, but I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be shown on Box Nation. But that's really it for the previewing. I thought there was a little bit more to go over, but there wasn't, so that's it for the preview. We did the news in this part. We brought you the first guest, the charismatic, colourful, and many other different C's. I'd like to call him a few others. Colourful, um, charismatic, courageous, and I want to be able to say Commonwealth. Hopefully Dave Allen can do the job on Saturday. We also did the reviewing. We've just done the previewing. The last thing to do before we wrap up part two and ultimately finish the show is to welcome... We've got two guests coming in, but first, the defending WBA light heavyweight champion of the world, Mr. Dimitri Bivol. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the WBA light heavyweight champion of the world, Dimitri Bivol. Dimitri, welcome, my friend. How are you? Hello. Uh, I'm great. <laughs> I'm good. 
Can wait, my friend. Excellent, excellent. So, Dimitri, I wanted to ask you: Are you now living in California, or are you just going to California for training? Um, just going for training in California, but uh, I really like California, and uh, in the future, I I hope I will be spend most uh, time in California. Yeah, the weather's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, weather is good. <laughs> Okay, okay. So in the light heavyweight, you know, in the division, the light heavyweight division, Russia has got some fantastic fighters. Yourself, Sergei Kovalev, Arta Baturbiev. At cruiserweight, you've got Murat Gassiev. Russian fighters are very special fighters. Why are the Russian fighters so special, Dmitry? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, too difficult. But uh, I think... Uh... Maybe because uh, now it's not USSR and uh, more boxers can come to um, to Russia or to America and another country and they can uh, show his boxing. Yeah, absolutely. The Russian the Russian fighters have got a lot of power. I like I like that. I like that. So Dimitri, in your last fight, of course, you fought for the vacant WBA light heavyweight title. The fight only lasted one round. You destroyed Trent Broadhurst in Monaco, a first round knockout. You're now the WBA champion of the world. On Saturday, you will make your first defense of the title against Sullivan Barrera. Sullivan Barrera is a very good fighter. Obviously, only one loss. It was to Andre Ward. Um, it was it was a decision loss. Do you think on Saturday you can win this fight by decision or knockout? How do you win the fight on Saturday? First of all, I wanna be winner and and I wanna that uh, people who will see my fight uh, will be glad after my fight. I wanna that that fan said, uh, "Oh, Bivol is a really good fighter. I wanted to see him again," and uh, that's my uh, that's my goal uh, in uh, Saturday on Saturday. And uh, of course, uh, I wanna be winner uh, more good uh, i wanna be better for fun yeah absolutely. Uh, i don't know how it will happen it will uh, knock out or uh, decision uh, george decision whatever i wanna uh, i wanna make a good fight Yes, of course, of course. Now, a few days ago, you met with Andre Ward. What did you and Andre Ward talk about when you met Dimitri? Uh, it was just a uh, meeting. With, uh, uh, we, we talked about uh, my training, uh, what what he saw. And we talked about uh, his life. Uh, he said me about uh, Olympic Games, how he win, uh, how he won. And uh, we talk about my life. It was just like friendly, friendly, friendly. Fr- friendly conversation. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And of course, the main event on Saturday night is Igor Mikulkin versus Sergei Kovalev, two Russian fighters. Who do you think wins that fight? A lot of people believe Kovalev will win that fight easy. How do you see it? Uh, yeah, I-, I know that many people think about uh, Mikulkin. Uh, too easy for Kovalev, but uh, I don't share their uh, opinion uh, because uh, I think that Mikhalkin is a good uh, boxer. Uh, of course, uh, he 
he not famous like uh, like Bernard Hopkins or or Stevenson, but he he really good uh, fighter. Yeah, it's not uh, easy for Kowal. It's will not easy. Okay. I okay. Think. Okay, and on May the 19th in Canada, another fight for the WBC light heavyweight title, uh, Adonis Stevenson and Badu Jack. Who do you think wins that fight, Dimitri? Uh, it's really difficult, uh, but uh, I know that uh, Badu Jack is, uh, in, now is in, is in good shape, uh, but uh, Stevenson uh, has good... Uh, he has good uh, ex- more experience, I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he really yeah. uncomfortable. Okay, okay. But I don't know who, who will be winner. Yeah, it's a good fight. It's a very good fight. And also, I want to ask you, Dimitri, obviously you've sparred lots of different fighters, I'm imagining, from all over the world. Who are some of the best fighters that you've sparred with in the gym? Uh, I don't know, uh, uh, when, when I spar, uh, I do that. That uh, I just выполняю задачи тренера всегда. I do what uh, the trainer asks me to do and for training. И бывают даже простые оппоненты, и мне с ними тяжело выполнить задачу, которую ставят. And sometimes even with the easier opponents, it's uh, it might be hard for me to accomplish what my trainer asks me. So I, I'm working on my own skill set. Okay. And Dimitri, if you win on Saturday against Barrera and Kovalev beats Mikulkin, do you want to fight Kovalev later this year? Uh, you you can ask me that question after my fight <laughs> because I don't know what will happen and uh, I don't have a plan after my fight. Okay. Uh, I focused only only Barrera. Okay, I like that. That's very clever. I like that. I like that. And... Um, Finally, the the last question for you, Dimitri. Do you have a message for your fans in the UK, in England? Because in England, everybody over here, they love Dimitri Bivol. Yeah, of course. Uh, I wanted to say, uh, I really appreciate all the English fans very much because they really know how to uh, defend. They, they know how to root for boxers. They know how to root for their boxers, uh, and that, that's great. That, that they're really good at that. And uh, I wanted to say, don't miss my fight, uh, guys. And uh, I hope I, I will make you glad. And uh, don't forget about your training. Take your gloves and go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, because your fight will be shown on the television in the UK also. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure the rest of the UK are looking forward to it. But listen, Dimitri, thank you for your time. Good luck on Saturday, and we will speak again soon, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, and now it's time to welcome our third and final guest on this week's podcast. This Saturday, he challenges for the WBA Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. It's, of course, Mr. Sullivan Barrera. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Cuban light heavyweight world contender, Mr. Sullivan Barrera. Sullivan, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Thank you. 
Hey, it's my pleasure, sir. It's my pleasure. I'm very good. So, Sullivan, um, obviously your record right now is 21-1. and Your only loss was to Andre Ward back in 2016. After losing to Ward, in my opinion, you're a much better fighter today. You knocked out Shabransky, very good win. You beat Joe Smith Jr., very, very, very good win. And, of course, in your last fight, you beat Felix Valera, another great win. Do you believe that you learned a lot when you fought Andre Ward and it's made you a better fighter today? Yeah, of course, yes. Uh, you know, uh, when I fought war, I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of name in my in my back, but, you know, now I have it, so then I, I learned a lot with, with war, you know, he, he was, that was the very, the very good fight for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, of course, of course. And when you was a kid, Sullivan, growing up in Cuba, which boxer did you want to be like? In Cuba, you've got some amazing amateur boxers like Felix Savon, like Teofilo Stevenson. Did they inspire you to become a boxer? Yeah, like, you know, in Cuba, in Cuba, boxing is, 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 like, is like, like baseball. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of kids love boxers. Like like baseball, so you know we have good amateur boxer. He, that was my impression. Like Savon, Teofilo, he, he the history in Cuba in general. Yeah, okay, yeah, nice. Uh, some great fighters, like I say, some fantastic fighters. So, Sullivan, you're fighting on Saturday against Dimitri Bivol for the WBA Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. Firstly, what do you know about Dimitri Bivol and how excited are you to be boxing for your first world title on Saturday? Yeah, he's a young guy. He's he's good boxer. Yeah, but, you know, this is my opportunity for for make the and the new champion of the world that is my dream in nothing i'm focusing that like i respect him but that's that this is my time yeah absolutely and if you win this fight on saturday i spoke to kathy duver a few weeks ago she says that later this year perhaps you could face um sergey kovalev is that if you win on saturday is that the the main fight that you want is that would that be you know the the fight you want more than any other fight yeah but i i want to you know i want to unify with Kovalev. doesn't matter the stevenson doesn't matter like i wanna i wanna take every bell for me i wanna prove like i am the best in the light heavyweight division i don't have problem with with nobody like Kovalev. doesn't matter uh, I don't have a problem with that. You fight anybody? Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. And on Saturday, of course, the main event, Kovalev versus McCorkin. Who do you think wins that fight? A lot of people think Kovalev will win that fight pretty easy. I don't know. You know, like, this is boxing, man. Like, uh, I I always say that, that you open and have two hands like, like you, two arms like you. This yeah. is boxing. But, you know, the Kovalev, I think the Kovalev, win that fight and also a little bit um well the same night actually your countryman Luis Ortiz very good fighter he takes on Deontay Wilder for the WBC heavyweight title who wins that fight I think that Ortiz is gonna win yeah you know like that is the hard fight too like I know the the Deontay Wilder he have power 
but you know my guy he's quick for for heavyweight he 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 had good move he had good defense he 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 had good combination so i think if he pass uh, a lot of punches the water make water tire he can he can beat water you think Luis Ortiz is going to win the fight yeah yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, I he's think, a smart guy. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I think he's going to win as well. And I want to ask you also, Sullivan, do you watch boxing when you're not training? Do you watch boxing? And if you do, who are some of your favorite fighters that you like to watch? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, I, I, I like watch boxing when, I, when I'm not fighting. Yeah, but, you know, uh, for this time, I, I, I watch a lot. Uh, Nicolino Loche from Argentina. Okay. He's, uh, you know, he's good, good. He was very good boxer. Today, like, I watch Floyd. Yeah. I watch a lot. You know. Yeah, that's fine. No, that's fine. That's, that's fine. That's, that's fine. That's the pain. That's the pain. What I, what I'm trying to land in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's yeah, that's fine. But, that's fine, that's yeah. fine. So right now, there are four world champions in light heavyweight. You've got uh, Sergei Kovalev, Dmitry Bivol, Arta Baturbiev, and Adonis Stevenson. In your opinion, who is number one, number two, number three, and number four? For me, number one is Sergei. Sergei, because, yep. Yeah, Sergei. Because, you know, uh, Stevenson, he, 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 do, yeah, he, don't, he don't fight anybody. He always fight. He always have easy fight, yeah. but you know, like the 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 Russian guy, the the other the IBF world champion, but like um, he's good, but he he don't have like good, very good uh, opponent like like that. Like uh, I think some Sergey he lost two fight with war. The first one was close, but. But uh, for me, number one is Sergey. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And coming down to the the final two questions now, Sullivan, I want to ask you this question. You may not know many boxers from the UK, from England, but if you do, who who would you say is your favourite boxer from the UK? It can be a boxer fighting today like Anthony Joshua. It can be a boxer that retired many years ago, if you have one. Like like Carl Fry is a good boxer. He, he Anthony Joshua, I like that. Yeah, two like great that. boxers. Yeah, two. Yeah, and and finally, my final question for you now, Sullivan. I want to ask you your prediction for the fight on Saturday. How do you win? Do you win on points? Do you win by knockout? You tell me. Oh, unanimous decision. Like you know, I think I I I, I, I that's my prediction. I, I I'm going to win for unanimous decision. Clear. Clear unanimous decision. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, Sullivan, it's my pleasure speaking with you. It's been my pleasure. Good luck for Saturday. Buena suerte. And we will speak again soon, my friend. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, and this wraps up episode 124 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. I'd like to thank our three guests this week, Dave Allen, Dimitri Bivol, and Sullivan Barrera. We've brought you 12 world champions now in our last 11 podcasts. Next week's show will also feature another world champion. It's been a pretty long show this week. It's been informative. It's been fun. It's been interesting. But above all, it's been for you. So I'd like to thank you, the listener 
listeners once again for listening and making this podcast the best podcast on the net. The Prediction League is back this weekend. Best of luck with your picks on that. There'll be a t-shirt competition next week on next week's show, so look out for that also. Have a great weekend, people, which I'm sure you all will, and we will see you next week.